What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Casual Big Ten Podcast. Today is Wednesday, July 19th, 2023. We are smack dab in the middle of the season previews for this upcoming football season. On today's show, I'm joined by Ryan Burns. He's the host of Gopher Radio. It's a podcast. You can check it out. He is very knowledgeable. He's our expert for the Minnesota Golden Gophers. We're going to discuss everything that's taken place this offseason. We're going to discuss everything that's going to happen this upcoming season. And we we really get into it, this one. This was a longer one. I didn't even realize. I was just watching this back uh, to make sure I didn't have to cut anything or miss anything. It was great. Had a great time with Ryan, but it's long. Did about 50 minutes with him. So hope you guys enjoy this interview as much as I enjoyed hanging out with Ryan. And uh, here it is. All right. Joining us now is Ryan Burns. He is at Ryan Burns MN on Twitter. He is the host of the uh, Gopher Gridiron Radio Show podcast. Um, you can find that anywhere you listen to podcasts. Awesome show. Ryan, thank you so much for coming on to take today to talk about some gopher football yeah i appreciate the invite i saw it slide into the dms and i was like heck yeah let's come on talk a little bit of minnesota and big 10 football this is going to be awesome man i'm really excited um this is i'm going to be honest this is the most nervous i've been during an interview because of what we're going to talk about at the end and what i said about what i think minnesota is going to do this year but we'll get to that at the end i want to know a little bit more about you how'd you get started with gopher gridiron uh radio as you guys call it on twitter yeah, I mean, I think we started it about five years ago now, and uh, it's wild. I mean, I had a my co-host, Luke Buer, he actually just sent me an email. was like, hey, do you want to start a podcast? And I'm like, who is this random guy coming into my email asking me if I want to start a podcast with him? Turns out he actually lives in the same city as I do now. Um, so I go over to his house, had never met him before. And we sat in his living room, recorded our first podcast, and now we've done over, I think, 250. We just surpassed the million download, which for a gopher football podcast is absolutely bananas. Like, if you were to have told me when we started this that, number one, anyone was going to listen to it. Yeah. And number two, we surpassed a million downloads. uh, I would have laughed at you very, very hard. So (laughs) I was... uh, I graduated from the University of Minnesota, so you know it's it's nice for me to be able to kind of just stay here in the Twin Cities and be able to cover a program, a Big Ten program like Minnesota. Uh, you know they've been largely mediocre for my entire life, um, but you know I've been doing this now I think 13 years covering the team, so it's it's wild to uh, to think I've been already in this market so long, but. Yeah, go for Gridiron Radio. He's now over a million downloads, which is wild to me. It's a great show. I was listening to some uh, throughout the last week, and I had to ask you this. I was going to ask you this offline, but I'll just do it right here on the show. Um, sure. You have some of the players come on, and I was wondering, um, I kind of wanted to dip my toe in that just a little bit, but with the NIL and everything with that, are you guys having to try to pay players to get on, or are they just willing to kind of come on your show because it's so popular? Well, it happens to be that the guy who runs Dickytown Athletes, Derek Burns, if you haven't made the connection, has the same last name as I do. Now, the running bit is that uh, he's my second cousin when in reality, I don't know if I'm going to uh, 
kind of break some minds here, but he, we are not related at all. Oh, he actually has been a long time guest on our show during the season because he's one of the smartest people I know in terms of breaking down football. He played for the Gophers uh, under Glenn Mason, and uh, we we've worked out a deal with him to where those guys get some money from Dickytown athletes. We get them on the podcast. So if you want to, I mean, I can certainly send you their or Derek's contact information, and I'm sure you guys could work something out. That would be amazing. I, I would love to have some players on the show, too. It's great to have experts like you come on because I feel like I'm learning so much about each team, whereas mm-hmm. last year when I was kind of doing this preview, it was just my thoughts, and it's just like, I don't know what I'm talking about. I don't know enough. So this is great to have you on. Um, last thing about you before we jump into the team, um, Gopher Illustrated, what's that, and how are you uh, working with them? Yeah, Gopher Illustrated is where you can find all the things I write about. Uh, like I said, I've been covering this team now, I think, 12, 13 years. And that's the platform where you can find all the recruiting information. You can find all the everything you want to know about this 23 team. I like to think that, you know, there's a lot of there's a couple guys that cover this team pretty good. I like to think I know more about Gopher football than anyone on this planet that's not on this uh, Gopher football staff. So, you know, whether it's like I said, recruiting information, you can go to the boards. I'm staring at an Ask Ryan Burns Anything thread where that's got over 3.7 million views. Whoa. And it's got over 21,000 different questions on there. I mean, I can answer anything and everything. So, you know, like I said, Gopher football has been largely meh for the most of my entire life. And now that they're pretty good, actually, uh, I mean, they've won nine or more games the last three full seasons. There's a lot more casual interest. The hardcores are happier. So if you want to actually talk to a guy who knows what he's talking about, go for illustrated.com. Definitely go check that out. If you're for some reason watching my show and you're not, fo- you, there's nobody out there that's doing that, but you're not following, <laughs> go for Gridiron Radio. Go do that. It's a great show. Um, I enjoy listening to it. Let's jump into the team, though. Uh, this offseason, some things going on. But before we do that, the coaching staff and especially PJ Fleck, I would like to know what the fan base's overall feel of him is and what the job he's been doing the last couple of years. Obviously, one of the most likable guys in the Big Ten after I've been interviewing about eight guys now, everyone talking about P.J. Um, what do you what do you feel about him, and what's the fan base's feel about how he's been doing? I know every opposing Big Ten West fan base hates him, thinks he's slimy, thinks he's a used car salesman, and I'm just – I'm just over that bit um, that I just see constantly because here's what I would say is I've had hundreds of interactions with the man by now. He's going into year seven here in Minnesota. And that's where whether the camera's on, the camera's off, whether it's in the season, whether it's at a summer camp, he is who he is. And if you don't like that, he's not just a walking Red Bull. He's five walking Red Bulls all the time. I get it. It's off putting that type of energy. And that's okay if you don't like the energy, because like I said, to many people, it's off-putting. I mean, it's just lost on me now, because that's the way I just know that PJ is constantly. Uh, But I'm just so, I'm so over the used car salesman and slimy bit, because you don't win nine or more games the last three full seasons if you're a used car salesman, like Tim Brewster was uh, back 10 years ago now, 15 years ago, so... I think the fan base would tell you they're happy, but I think that they know that there's also more left in the table where I've mentioned it quite a bit already. You've won nine or more games, yet you don't have a Big Ten West title. Mm -hmm. So that would be the lone thing that I think people would point to, that you've had ample opportunities to win the West here the last three of the last four years, and you haven't gotten it done. But in all reality, 
I think if you look at it from a 50,000 foot view, this is a program that has become consistently good, which is something we haven't been able to say about Minnesota for some time. They had some, you know, some years in the Jerry Kill area. Um, you know, this is the most consistent winning we've seen since Glenn Mason. And I would even argue that Flex kind of upped them from there. So I think the fan base is happy. Um, but I would say that there would be more for them to be happy about if they were to find a way to get to Indianapolis. I agree. I think when he came in from Western Michigan, I thought that he totally changed the culture and he put them more on the map than they've ever been. And like you said, mm-hmm. with all the winning that he's done, um, specifically this year, though, is this like a how big of a year is this for him or does it not really matter? He's going to still be there and it's it's his job to lose, basically. Well, I mean, I don't think he's on the hot seat or anything like right. that, but I would say that uh, it's the la- everybody knows it's the last year of the West. I mean, I the way I look at the West is I think there's three, potentially four teams capable of winning it. I think you have Iowa and Wisconsin in that order, and I know, I know that that's not a popular opinion, that I think Iowa is has a better chance than Wisconsin does, but we can get to that a little bit later. Uh, I think Minnesota's firmly in that boat. Uh, as well. And then I'm not sleeping on Illinois too. I feel like everybody's sleeping on the team with the best front seven in college or not in college football, excuse me, in the big 10 West where they have some dudes up front there for Illinois. And I know they lost their quarterback, their, their, their stud tailback, but Mm -hmm. if you can win in the trenches in the West, you're going to have a chance to win the West. If I've learned anything about it, uh, it's that if you're good up front, you're going to give yourself a chance. So I mean, I just, I just think of those. There's probably three teams that have an opportunity, and I think Minnesota is one of them, depending upon how some things go this season. This offseason, uh, big portal stuff everywhere across the country. With Minnesota specifically, who's the guy that is coming in for Minnesota out of the portal that's going to have an impact on the team the most next year? I can't give you a guy. I can give you three. Okay, uh, I can give great. you the guy that uh, is probably going to replace Mo Ibrahim in terms of being the the leading carrier, and that's Sean Tyler, Western Michigan, two team or two time All Mac, someone that isn't going to be. We can get into it a little bit later. You know, he's not going to be Mo Ibrahim. He's not going to get 30, 35 carries a game. He's never been that, but he's someone that can break one. Uh, something mm-hmm. that. Mo Ibrahim did tremendous, tremendous things here at the University of Minnesota, but breaking a long one is not going to be something on his resume for the Detroit Lions. But Sean Tyler is very capable of housing one if he gets green. I think you also look to guys like Elijah Spencer from Charlotte, um, someone that had a big spring game. So did Corey Crooms in terms of another all-Mac guy coming over from Western Michigan. The Gophers were absolutely freaking dreadful in the slot last year. Well, they br- brought in arguably the best player from the slot in the Mac last year. Now he comes over to Minnesota. And then defensively, you got Jack Henderson as someone I'm buying a lot of stock in from Southeastern Louisiana from the FCS had really good PFF numbers. Uh, everything I've heard since he's been on campus in January and with my own two eyes is positive. And so as you're looking to see how does Minnesota replace Flip Dixon, who's now at Rutgers, who played 400 snaps for them defensively, I think it's something to where Jack Henderson is going to make people remember that he's he's going to be pretty good in year one of the Big Ten. Was there anybody that you guys lost that you're thinking going into the season, you're wishing that he wouldn't have left because he would have been helpful to have next year? Well, I, I, I just think when you look at Minnesota and what they lost, I don't know what they lost stars, but they lost their depth. Like that's okay. what's 
going to kill a program like Minnesota is they didn't lose a Bucky Irving to Oregon this past offseason. They lost a lot of depth. Like Trey Potts wouldn't have been the starter here in my mind from what I've been told and with my own two eyes, but he's now at Penn State. You could have loved to use that running back depth there. Again, surprised me a little bit that Penn State took him, but uh, I get the hometown kid being able to go back to Penn State. You also look at uh, some guys on the defensive line like Gage Keys and uh, Austin Booker, both at Kansas now. I think they could have provided some depth up front. Braylon Oliver played a lot of football for Minnesota. He's now at Georgia Tech. Uh, I mentioned Flip Dixon already earlier. Like Those are all pieces, especially Oliver and Flip, where they played three, 400 snaps for Minnesota last year. Now, I don't know that they would have played any more for that this year, but that's all a bunch of snaps that are gone. The same thing with Beanie Bishop, who's now at West Virginia. Like You have a lot of depth pieces that are important pieces still, but now they're gone, and you're just going to have to figure out, which is part of why Minnesota's win total is where it is at uh, via Vegas this year. There's going to be a lot of guys stepping into new roles, and it's going to kind of look to be how quickly can those guys assimilate into those new roles and actually play well because they are going to take some lumps. I wanted to talk about Trey Potts for just a second, too, because I was just as surprised. I don't know if you were surprised, but I was really surprised to hear that he was transferring to Penn State. They already have uh, Nicholas Singleton and Katron Allen. I don't think he's going to get very many snaps there, whereas you look at Minnesota, he probably could have played a lot. And I just didn't understand why he went there. Do you know why he did that? I think he wanted a, a kind of a, a fresh start because uh, if you go back to 2022, that Purdue game, um, I mean, he nearly died uh, late in that fourth quarter. He has sustains an injury that puts him in an ambulance, going to the hospital. He's in the hospital for four or five nights. I mean, it was it was a scary, scary situation. And now to me, he wasn't the same player after that, which is 100 percent understandable because the kid nearly died. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that 2022 Trey Potts is someone that can play at Penn State. I'll, I'll tell you that much. But or excuse me, the 2021 uh, t- this has all happened in 2021. I'm already getting my years mixed up, but you know, that 2021 Trey Potts can play at Penn state potentially the 2022 version. I'm not so sure because right. he was hesitant. You know, he did a lot of dance in East West where again, I, you know, James Franklin, I think has that uh, again, I think, you know, like I do, I think the stat was James Franklin and non Penn St- or non Michigan and Ohio state games last year, won by an average of like 25 points. Like yeah. They kicked the crap out of everybody not named Ohio State or Michigan. Now, Ohio State and Michigan still beat them, but I think Penn State's a legitimate top 10 team. But it, it surprised me nonetheless that, that Trey decided. It didn't surprise me that Trey hit the portal because his running back coach also left to become the head coach at Kent State. But I'm, I am a little bit surprised that Penn State decided to take him and that he decided to take that role because, to your point, there's two really talented underclassmen ahead of him. Yeah. Um, switching gears just a little bit, you know a lot about everything with the recruiting that's been going on with Minnesota that the casual fan like me does not have their finger on the pulse with. Who's a guy or is there a guy that's going to be a freshman this year that you guys recruited that's going to have an impact on the team this year? Is there one? So you're you're talking true freshman for this fall, yeah? Yeah, like someone that's coming in this year that you guys recruited that is going to be – brand new that we can be like oh we didn't know who this was coming out of high school it's mm-hmm. he's a he's a player 
Yeah, I don't know that I'll see <clears throat> too many true freshmen potentially playing. Right now, I don't want really true freshmen playing in year seven of a good Big Ten program. But two guys that could potentially earn snaps, I think running back Darius Taylor, who was a four-star out of the state of Michigan. Uh, Minnesota beat Michigan for him. They offered in the fall. They hung on to him. Michigan State, sounds like they uh, offered some hefty NIL to get him to stay in the state as well. Uh, he was here in the spring. I think he gives you something a little bit different than what Sean Tyler can, where he's a north-south running back, where Sean Tyler's more east-west. Uh, and we'll see if he earns snaps here in fall camp. But I'm also really excited to see if Greg Johnson, who's an offensive lineman from the state of Minnesota, another four-star that Minnesota was able to keep home. I mean, I think this kid can be special, special. Now, Minnesota's had offensive lineman drafted the last two drafts with Daniel Falele going to the Baltimore Ravens and then John Michael Schmitz going to the New York Giants in the second round. I, I think that Greg Johnson certainly has that type of ceiling, and he was repping at left guard here in the spring as a true freshman. That's the one position where I could definitely see him, if he, if he somehow does it, earning snaps here this fall because there's he's firmly in the mix, which at 6'5", plus 300 pounds, and he's – I mean, he looks the part of somebody who's already been in a college program two, three years. So I think Greg Johnson and Darius Taylor are two I'm going to keep my eyes on. All right, that sounds great. They will be uh, protecting, or at least the one guy you were just talking about, is going to be protecting Ethan Kalikamanis. How did I do pronouncing that last name? Was that close? <laughs> you tried your best. It's Ethan Kalikamanis. Cal Cal I, I, I can't say that. I can't say that. That's that's ridiculous. I can't say that. Anyways, no. Ethan is going to be the quarterback this year. You guys had him on the show. Awesome show to uh, be able to sit down and talk to him. Um, for people who don't know who he is, how's he been doing this spring? What are his expectations for the fall? Yeah, Ethan was a four star coming out of high school in that COVID class where he committed early to Minnesota as a sophomore. And he had quite the offer list at the time, even for a sophomore back then. And it's just that's a class where the hit rate on, on kids is just so, so small because they didn't get to play and then we didn't get proper evaluations. And so you just didn't know how it was going to come out. And then you get to see this kid in person. And I've said it before and I'll keep saying it. I mean, he is the most physically talented quarterback I've seen in a gopher uniform in my 12 years doing this. Um, you know, what does that mean? I mean, he can, he's six, three plus he's athletic. He can make all the throws. He's got arm talent. Like we don't traditionally see here in the twin cities. Now you look at the stats and 54% completion percentage, more picks than touchdowns. I mean, I think a lot of that is him coming in at the end of a game against Illinois, him having his first career start in a whiteout at Penn state. I think what people should kind of take more away from that is what he did against Wisconsin and what he did against Syracuse before going down with that high ankle sprain. That's the kind of player that he can elevate a team to be where we haven't, you know, Tanner Morgan did a lot of great things here at the university of Minnesota, but Ethan, I think has the ability to really win them a football game where you can down the line. Now, I don't know if it's going to happen in 2023 or 2024, but he's got the ability to make any throw on the field. And then that's just not something that Minnesota has always had at quarterback. So I know the stats last year tell a, paint a picture that is not of a very good quarterback with, like I said, 54% completion percentage, three touchdowns, four picks. But Ethan has ability to be a lot better than that. And the question is going to be for me, as I keep telling Gopher fans, 
there's going to be lumps in the road this fall uh, with Ethan in his first full year as the starter. People need to figure that out. But he's got the ability to have you up 14-3 at the end of the first quarter because of the throws he makes. Now, on the flip side of that, I'll continue to, to caution and say, He's also got the ability to have you down 14 to three at the end of the first quarter because he's got to learn what throws he can make in the Big Ten and which ones he can. Yeah. So it's all going to be how quickly can Nathan Kaliak Manis figure out the game of college football and the speed of college football and these defenses and being able to read it. Because when he does, he's got a chance to be the first goal for quarterback in my mind drafted since the 1960s. I'll, first of all, I love listening to you say his last name because I'm so jealous that you can do it. But uh, secondly, <laughs> um, listening to his the pod that you guys did with him, the nicest kid too. So if you don't know about him, he was he, he's someone that you can cheer for because of how nice he was. And then I also think that this year going in, knowing that it's his team will also uh, help him with some confidence and um, we'll see that how he can do uh, with that this year. I want to talk about the guys that are going to be behind him. You already mentioned uh, Sean Tyler, the kid coming in from Western Michigan. If you're the offensive coordinator for Minnesota, how do you use the backfield this year? Well, it's going to look a lot different in, because Mo Ibrahim just would get 30 to 35 touches every game, and then Bryce Williams, who's back again this year, would be your third down back in pass protection. Well, uh, Sean Tyler's not going to be a guy that's going to get 30, 35 touches a game. In his Mac career, he only got 20 or more carries three different times. Mm. So you're, if we're going to be honest here, you're projecting Sean Tyler to probably have somewhere between 15 to 18 touches a game. Now, I've said this before and I'll say it again. I think Minnesota throws more than any other team in the P.J. Fleck era at Minnesota. But that even if you're projecting them to throw – 27 to 30 times that mm -hmm. still means you're running the football 30 to 35 times so if sean tyler's somewhere around 18 that still means you got to fill another 18 slots there so is it going to be bryce williams actually graduating from his pass protection role to getting some carries is it going to be a freshman by the name of zach evans getting some he had a big spring game he's had multiple big spring games in his first two seasons but is he going to be able to stay healthy enough during fall camp to be able to contribute and then we also talked about him earlier in Darius Taylor, too. I think between those three, you're going to be looking to I, – I firmly believe Bryce uh, Bryce Williams stays in that third down role. So can Zach Evans or Darius Taylor give you something as they get their feet wet here in the Big Ten to where you can comfortably look at them and say 10 to 15 carries a game between the two of you? I mean, ideally, you'd have one of them emerge in front of the other ones because yeah. I think giving – Three different backs carries is a lot, right? Uh, especially trying to tailor an offense to what those guys do well specifically. But, I mean, that would be the hope is Sean Tyler can get somewhere around 15 to 18 touches a game. And then you also can mix in a Zach Evans or a Darius Taylor who are much more north-south to go with Sean Tyler's east-west. I love Sean Tyler. I think he's going to be great this year. So I'm, I'm interested to see how they use that backfield as well and see how many carries he can get. I'd like to see him get more carries than that. But like you said, he's never done it before. And I didn't know that. So that was a good stat to know about. Um, let's switch sides of the ball real quick. Casual fans that don't follow Minnesota that closely, and me specifically, I'm, I admit this all the time, I don't do enough research on anybody's defense. So who's somebody that we can, you already mentioned Henderson earlier on, um, that could have a big impact on that side of the ball. Is there anyone else that we should circle and say, let's watch this guy specifically when the Gophers are on defense? 
Yeah, I'll give you two guys in the front seven. One would be the, a guy by the name of Ja Joyner. Uh, he okay. led the team in, in pressures last year. He got so much better from game one to game 13. I mean, you look at what he did against Peter Skaronsky, uh, the Northwestern tackle. I mean, I think he went in the top 10 or the yeah. top 15. Nobody gave Peter Skaronsky more fits than Ja Joyner did. He drew, I think, two holding calls, had four or five pressures against him. But that's going to be the key for Ja Joyner as he led the team in pressures last year with, I think, 32, but he only had a sack and a half. So mm. pressures are obviously still valuable, but we got to get that ratio of pressure to sack to be instead of one to 10, somewhere around one to five. And if that happens, I think he's going to be in the conversation to be uh, an all big 10 player. And then I've been banging this drum for a long time uh, for the, the diehards that are watching this. Cody Lindenberg, I think can be a very special player at linebacker for Minnesota. Okay. Someone that didn't start the season for them ends up starting as they continue to get in further into the season. And I think really showed that he is, he has all of the physical tools to be an all big 10 linebacker. He is six, three, he's sideline to sideline speed. He's got physicality. He can help you in pass uh, and pass coverage. I think those two guys are going to potentially be sitting on big years. Interesting. I'm excited to see those guys. Uh, we got a couple guys on offense now that we've talked about, a couple guys on defense. I want to jump into the schedule before I let you go, and this is the part that I was saying I was the most nervous to talk to you about. Um, to Gophers fans' credit, I uh, I had to tell my wife that people were being mean to me online when I released my uh, what I thought was going to happen in the Big Ten West, and I did have Minnesota finishing last in the Big Ten West this year. Um and I was told that I'm an idiot multiple times. I was told every single game that I was wrong about. So I want to tell you face-to-face -face what I thought was going to happen. And I will preface it by saying I didn't do great at picks last year, but I didn't sure. do terrible either. I was about 50%. So uh, I'm going to say that 50% of these are still going to be right, but uh, that doesn't mean that the record that I chose was going to be right. So... Um, I had you guys finishing at three and nine. And like I said, last place Woo! in the big 10 West. Yeah. Oh. Yep. Um, okay. the only conference win that I had for you guys was at home against Michigan state. Um, and my reasoning, cause I, I feel like I should give some reasoning behind this was I, and the thing is everyone was being so mean to me. I was the biggest Mo Ibrahim fan of all time last year. I loved Minnesota. I talked so highly of Minnesota last year. So I was kind of upset. I was like, oh, these guys all hate me now. But anyways, um, three and nine, one and eight in conference. Um, I'd like to have you explain to me why I'm so wrong by going through uh, the first four games and then the middle part of the season, the end of the season. So uh, let's talk about the first four. You have uh, Nebraska at home, Eastern Michigan at home. You travel to North Carolina and then travel to Northwestern. How do you see the season starting out? Well, apparently better than you. Uh, <laughs> I'll say this. Uh, I'm not, look, I, uh, I can relate I, every day of my life. I have somebody screaming at me being in a, a keyboard warrior, mm -hmm. uh, calling me names and bad things. So, um, I know what it's like, but I would say three and nine, uh, we're going to in the next, over the span of the next 10 minutes, we're going to figure out where you and I differ because <laughs> I'm not here trying to tell you Minnesota's going to Pasadena. Yeah, uh, I, I have I have said many times here in the month of June, I don't even think Minnesota wins the West, but I think they can win seven, eight games. So, well, let me I tell you this, too, because I, I, 
are, I want to say very this much part. Um, what, my whole goal with getting people on too was I wanted to do, I didn't want to have nothing before people came on. So I was like, I'm going to do predictions and then I sure. want to have people come on and tell me why I'm wrong so I can change my mind before it goes into the season. So that's another reason why I wanted to have you on respectfully. Yeah, you know, I, that's why I'm here. Um, <laughs> so I look at those first four games. Uh, Minnesota is going to be a touchdown or more favorite in three of them. Okay. Um, I think the line is already out for Nebraska. I think they're seven and a half point home favorites. I look at Nebraska and I see two lines that aren't good. I mean, their offensive line for Nebraska has been absolutely bleeping dreadful for like three years. Like their tackles have had PFF grades of like zero. Mm. They have allowed, they're the two worst pass blocking guys in the big 10. Um, I look at Jeff Sims for Nebraska. I know that Many Husker fans think he's going to be touchdown Jesus. I look at a guy that has played a lot of football and has a 30 to 23 touchdown to, to interception ratio. I know he's really good with his legs. I just don't think, and I, and I think Matt rule can actually turn around that program because he's a competent coach unlike Scott Frost. Um, but I would say <clears throat> to expect Nebraska to come in here uh, game one of the Matt rule era with a year one kind of roster with all the turnover that they had, I think is lofty. Uh, so I think Minnesota does win that game at home. I think Eastern Michigan's a good program. They went to a bowl game last year. I think Scott Creighton or Chris Creighton, I should say, has again, they went to a bowl, bowl game out of the Mac. I think they are a decent program, but I think Minnesota wins that game. I think that North Carolina game is going to be very interesting because Joe Rossi versus Drake May. I mean, Drake May is going to be the best quarterback they've faced since I think CJ Stroud back in in 2021, 2020. I forget when CJ Stroud came here. But um, I think there's gonna be a lot of points in that game. Like if you were to ask me to handicap that game right now, I think North Carolina is a favorite by probably five, hmm. maybe five or six points. So it's not incredibly like I don't think North Carolina is gonna run away with that thing because I have a lot of question marks about North Carolina defensively, especially an ACC team going against a big 10 team. And then Northwestern sucks. Look, I'm going to, I, I would love to hear, like I have seen Northwestern with my own two eyes. They're awful, man. Like yeah. they, like I, I was saying last season, I don't get why Pat Fitzgerald's not on the hot seat because they've won like three or four games the last two full seasons. They're terrible. They love uh, him so, there still, though. They like I asked, so I, had, I did the Northwestern interview already, and I was I asked him directly. I was like, "Why do people still love him?" Because I don't get it. Like, well, he's got he's got them Big Ten West titles, and but I also understand we live in a day and age where it's like, "What have you done for me lately?" And that's probably why I've even said like, you know, why isn't Fitzgerald in the hot seat? And the reply I always get is, "Well, if Fitz, the golden child, can't do it there, who's going to be able to do it?" But so you have Minnesota losing to Northwestern then? I do. Uh, so here's my argument okay. for the Northwestern game is that they brought in A.J. Henning, so they have a wide receiver this year at least. They brought in Ben Bryant. He's the highest-rated PFF quarterback in the Big Ten right now. So their offense is going to be much improved. Uh, I don't – like I said, I've admitted this a bunch of times. I don't know a ton about their defense. It's a home game. It's a winnable game for them. So I just chose Northwestern in that one based on quarterback play um and what i think that they're gonna be able to do at home this year so we'll see yeah i mean like i mean northwestern has been dreadful at quarterback for some time and ben bryant certainly will be an upgrade for them i just 
I'm telling you, the athletes at Northwestern, it's suspect. Okay. <laughs> I mean, like I understand AJ Henning is a good player. I mean, he's he was a highly rated recruit, went to Michigan, scored touchdowns for them on special teams. But like, I will continue to beat the drum of if you can just score 17 points, you're always going to beat Northwestern because even with Ben Bryant, you can cover AJ Henning because they just. I just I have no faith in Northwestern. I guess. Okay. I have less faith in uh, Nebraska. I think I'm more convinced that you guys are going to win that game even more than the Northwestern game. Um, let's go to the middle of the season, though. You're back at home. So you, you're saying, uh, let me just clarify. Are you saying 3-1 and one or 4-0 and oh in those first four games then? Uh, I would say, I mean, if we're just going to handicap, the, like even taking out my prediction, yeah. if we're just going to go Vegas odds the way I see it, I think Vegas will see it, Minnesota will be 3-1. and one. Okay, and they'll be touchdown or more favorites against Nebraska, Eastern Michigan, and Northwestern. Okay, and then we have uh, Louisiana at home, uh, mm-hmm. Michigan at home. Then you go to Iowa, and then back at home against uh, Michigan State. How do you see the middle part of that season shaking out? Yeah, even Louisiana is a team from the Sun Belt that like went to a bowl game last year. Like this is there isn't any really bad teams like there was last year with Colorado and. Uh, New Mexico, well, I guess New Mexico State ended up making a bowl, but even still, like, I think if you look at the middle part of the schedule, Vegas will tell you they go two and two. Um, you know, Michigan at home, I think Michigan is one of the five programs in the country that can feasibly win the national championship. Um, and then going to Iowa, like, I have seen it the last two seasons. Minnesota has beat Iowa on the field the last two seasons, and then you look up at the scoreboard and they lost. Like you mm-hmm. ran for 300 yards against Iowa last season and you still lost because you had three different possessions within the Iowa 35 that you didn't have any points. That's inexcusable. It can't happen. And Minnesota hasn't won in Kinnick Stadium since 1999. Like I don't think the Iowa Hawkeyes of 2023 are some crazy team from 10, 5, 10 years ago. But I also know that the, the juju in that stadium when Minnesota goes there is just – like I said, there's a reason they haven't won in 24 years. And then with Michigan State, I am not bullish on Michigan State. I watched Minnesota go into East Lansing last year and absolutely just smash them. And I have the same questions that I do this time uh, as I did last year with offensive and defensive line play. That's why, I mean, I, I'm i not a big Mel Tucker guy. I think he cashed in right when he did. And I think that – I don't think that he can challenge – kind of the east powers there even when we lose divisions here next year so again if we just go straight vegas i think minnesota goes two and two here and so they'll be sitting at five and three going into november then that's how i had it as well i had you guys winning the louisiana and the uh, michigan Mm -hmm. state game uh because i'm not high on michigan state and then the last four games of the season again kind of want to preface this when i did my podcast a month ago when i talked about all these picks I talked about how difficult it was to pick these last four games, and I've actually learned a lot more about some of these teams in the last four um, that I didn't know a month ago. So it's at home against Illinois, uh, at Purdue, which is one of the teams that I'm a little bit more down on now than I was a month ago when I released this, and then at Ohio State and back home against Wisconsin. I originally had you guys going 0-4 in that. I'm not really, or I'm not really convinced that that's going to happen at this point. But um, how do you see those last four games going then? 
Oh, and four. Okay. That's a, that, like I said, that was a month ago, man. I feel sure. like I have to like. <laughs> yeah, really I, I feel you. Here's what I would say is I think Minnesota getting Illinois at home uh, is important here. But I would also say that Brett Bielema has never lost to this, to Minnesota in terms of at Wisconsin when he was the coach there. Um, and during his short tenure here as the Illinois coach, I don't know what it is. I don't know what he knows, but um, I still think if you were to ask me what's the Vegas odds on that game, again, I'm the high man in the room on Illinois, but I still think Minnesota's probably like a four-point favorite um, for that game just because of the amount of question marks that there is with quarterback and running back and especially on the back end for uh, for Illinois that I know they've tried to address via the portal. I don't think Purdue is going to be very good at all. Um, I just think that (laughs) I just know how difficult it is for year one coaches in the Big Ten to win, Mm -hmm. especially at a place like Purdue, which isn't a very good place to recruit to. I I think four or five wins, which I think the Vegas line is probably, I think I saw it was at like four and a half, maybe it's five, I think is probably realistic for Purdue in year one. But I just – I don't think they're going to be very good. Uh, I think that's a, a game that Minnesota can win. Now, at Ohio State, I think Emeka Abuka and, and Marvin Harrison are going to go wild like they will uh, for a lot of different games this year. But then the Wisconsin game, I am not the high man in the room on Wisconsin. Okay. I, I just – the last three seasons, the, the, the national media or the, I guess the casual Big Ten media has picked them to win the West – They haven't won it a single time. Now it's year one. Now it's without Jim Leonard, uh, Nick Herbig, um, you know, Keanu Benton. They got a brand. I know that Phil Longo and that offense are going to make them a competent offense. I would just say this. I mean, I have questions about their offensive and defensive lines. Um, This is still a Wisconsin team that's looking for portal help in the secondary in late June. That's not a good sign to me. Um, I don't know. You can put on your 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 rose red colored glasses if you're a Wisconsin fan when you hear that. But let me tell you, if Minnesota was still looking for corner or safety help from the portal in late June, I'd tell you that screams to you that they don't feel good about what they got going on back there right now. I just think that that Wisconsin total, I think when it first came out, was like nine or nine and a half. That's yeah. wild to me. Now, I know that their schedule is incredibly easy. Uh, compared to what Minnesota has with Michigan and Ohio State on the schedule, I think they avoid both. Or at, I th- actually, I think they have Ohio State and Iowa avoids both. But I've also yet to see Braylon Allen do anything against a Joe Ro- or Joe Rossi defense. Uh, yeah. I think two years ago he was injured, uh, didn't play, and then last was it last year? Was it last year he didn't play? I think it was last year. Braylon Allen didn't even play in the game, and then in 2021 he just didn't do anything. I mean, Joe Rossi has figured out that if you just stop, you know, just how to stop Braylon Allen. Now, I know, again, Tanner Mordecai and Phil Longo might have that thing humming by game 12. But I'll just tell you this. I've seen it the last two years where Minnesota figured out how to stop them, especially with that amount of game tape and getting them at home. I'm just telling you, you know, if we even just say they win the Illinois and Purdue game. Yeah. And then they lose to Ohio State and Wisconsin. You're still at seven. Yeah. So that's where I'm not the high man in the room in Wisconsin. I still think Wisconsin can have a successful season and win seven or eight games, especially for a year one coach, which is very difficult to do. I just think everyone's putting on glasses with them where it's like Phil Longo is going to fix this thing. 
And I understand the schedules conducive for them. Yeah. But I like, we're all just forgetting that Jim Leonard, who I get lambasted for here in, in the Twin Cities, because I'm I'm the Jim Leonard guy. Like, I think that dude did an outstanding job and is going to be a great, uh, you know, head coach. Like, if PJ Fleck were to leave after this season, heck yeah, Jim Leonard would be on my board to be the head coach. I know it didn't exactly go the way many thought it would uh, once Paul Christ uh, was moved on from. I get that. But he is a heck of a defensive coordinator, man. I'll tell you that much. I was really high on him last year, too. I was defending him vehemently uh, that he should just be the guy. Um, obviously, they're super excited about Luke Fickle coming in and everything that mm-hmm. Tanner Mordecai, like you said. Um, the one interesting thing about them, though, is like you just don't know how well they're going to play with if they're going to completely switch what they do offensively if you can do that in the first year. So a lot of toss-up games for me that last four games. I would say that going through the schedule after listening to you talk, I would probably switch Purdue, Nebraska. I would think I would think hard about Northwestern still. And you then, are uh, very high on Northwestern to me. I like North, dude. I I am. I, you can ask anybody. They don't guy. have their first round bookend tackle this year, as far as I know, which is still <laughs> wild to me. I understand they have AJ Henning, but they lose Evan Hall, who did everything for them. I just, I just, uh, Northwestern I, has got like, I don't know why I always defend them. I don't know why I do this. I did the same thing because it's probably season. worked out for you pretty well. If you were to go back like three, the last three to eight years, because they ended up somehow doing it. I just think that the big 10 West has gotten so much better and has gotten maybe to my point, so much more athletic because Look, Northwestern has academic standards that limit their ability to recruit. Absolutely. And I think you're starting to see that with the caliber of athletes that they have compared to what Wisconsin, Iowa, Minnesota, Illinois have. Mm-hmm. And I just think that's being exposed more and more, especially the last two seasons here. So, look, I know what it's like to watch a game at Ryan Field, especially – like when Northwestern's not good, there's like 4,000 people in the stadium. It's sleepy. And if this Northwestern game is like an 11 a.m. kick and Northwestern gets out to a fast start because Minnesota's still sleeping, like I'm not telling you it's not feasible that Northwestern doesn't win this game. I'm just telling you, like, if we flip a coin, Minnesota's winning that game 75% of the time. <laughs> I'm sorry. Sleepy is like the funniest, most unintentional, like I'm telling disrespectful you, way I to have describe covered games in that stadium where it's just like, it's either like, especially in the fall coming off of Lake Michigan, it's either going to be like a Northwest wind at 25 that just completely shuts down any passing and it's sneeting and like 45 degrees, or it'll be like 56 degrees, a beautiful blue bird day. And you know, you think you can just get off the bus and beat Northwestern. Yeah. Like that's the only way I see Northwestern having like a game where they can win 17 to 10. Ethan would have to throw four picks, which again, I'm not telling you isn't possible. It's possible. It's, in, it's certainly within the realm of possibilities. I just think three wins. It's like, even if you don't believe in Ethan, totally fine. I get it. No mo, new offense, new offensive coordinator, new play caller. But it's more so defensively, they've been so good the last two seasons. And I know they lost some death pieces. They lost Terrell Smith to the Chicago Bears, certainly. 
but I'm just not expecting them to like fall off a cliff. And if you have a good defense that can keep you in every single game, which I think Minnesota will have, if they finish three and nine, like they lost every single toss up game, like 20 to 16 mm-hmm. or 23 to 20, which again, I think three wins is like on the bottom 5% outcomes for this season. And I'm okay. telling you what I think is the median outcome is probably six or seven wins. I think you, I think you've done a great job convincing me that Minnesota is going to get to six or seven. Um, have you ever, uh, let me just ask you this. Have you ever uh, had a take so bad? So like my Northwestern game right here and people sure. said, you're so wrong about it, including you. And I got so much heat about that one online that it almost makes you want to just stick with it. And then just, if it's right, you can bookmark everything. And if it's wrong, you can just delete all the tweets. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, I think a lot of my diehards remember that when Mo Ibrahim first came onto the scene, I thought he was just a guy. Oh, uh, really? Yeah. I, I would have told you back in 2019 that it was the offensive line, giving him uh, all these yards. Um, yeah. I was very wrong on Mo Ibrahim. And now we've gotten to the point where this past season, I was like, this dude needs to have his number retired, which I still think he does. Um, I know he's not the biggest or the fastest or whatever it may be, but the way that that guy plays running back, I think put him into the upper echelon of one of the best running backs to ever wear it with the Daryl Thompson's and the Lawrence Maroney's and the Marion Barber's of the world. So yeah, I I've had some bad takes. I mean, I'll own the Mo Ibrahim one where I just thought he was a guy. Um, and I was completely, completely wrong. So trust me, I get reminded probably every week uh, that I'm a moron for that Mo Ibrahim take. <laughs> All right. Um, last question. I know we already went over. I just want to get your quick thoughts about the uh, new schedule format that's starting next year and how it impacts a team like Minnesota, who realistically their best chance to get to a Big Ten championship really each year was to win the West. Now mm-hmm. you're going to go to a format where you're adding two pretty good football programs and you have to be in one of those top two teams to make it to Indianapolis. Uh, how do you feel about that and the change that's coming next year? I'm just glad I don't have to watch Maryland football for six consecutive years again, like Minnesota <laughs> had. Um, I don't know how that became the thing where Minnesota and Maryland of all places played for six consecutive it's years. A rival. Yeah. It's an interesting rival at that. Um, <laughs> I think the new schedule format will be good for the big 10. And I think good for fans when um, I mean, even good for the players, you're going to play. I think every single team in the Big Ten at least once in the four years. And I think you'll. I think actually it's you play everybody in the Big Ten once every two years, mm-hmm. um, and you'll get to travel to every single place once every four years. So at any point in your career, you get to play in every single stadium, which right. I think is nice. I think on the Minnesota perspective, it's not great that you get to play Ohio State and Michigan next year again, uh, but welcome to the realities of no divisions now. Yeah. Now, USC scares me a lot more than UCLA does, um, but I am very excited to see uh, the Rose Bowl in 2024 when Minnesota travels to UCLA. Um, I also think that I want, like every other Midwest Big Ten writer, I want that USC home game to be in November. Yes. Because that's going to be the way to, in my mind, to neutralize these Southern California boys is to have them come up to Minneapolis in November and it's 35 degrees and it's cold and then you don't want to get hit in the mouth Um, now again that's probably incredibly overplayed and it probably won't have the impact we're all thinking that it will but i just think that it's fun to think about being able to come up and 
watch USC because Minnesota played them, I think, 10 years ago now. Um, I, I'm pretty sure when they came up to Minneapolis, but I mean, I, I'm excited to travel to new places. Again, I don't, I don't particularly care to see Ryan Field, uh, especially when 4,000 people are going to be there. But I think they got it right where on the Minnesota perspective, they protect the Wisconsin and Iowa game every year. Those are the two games I do think they need to protect. So I think they got it right in that instance. But I, I am also excited to see different places. But I also think Minnesota is going to see, hey, you're going to have Ohio State, Michigan, or USC. Um, yeah, and I even put Penn State in that conversation as well, probably two times every season. And if you get unlucky, you're going to face three or four of them. If anyone from Northwestern is watching this, they're going to have a picture you printed. Not do not let this man into Ryan Field, right? <laughs> yeah, I'll be I'll be down there for that Northwestern game. I'm gonna, I think it's the 23rd. I just I'm not telling you North. I think Northwestern is going to be the worst team in the West. Um, but I, I'd love to be. I get the point you're making with them that Ben Bryan, AJ Henning can can do it. But I also just say, I mean, defensively, yeah. I like if I know Ben Bryan did it for Cincinnati, but I would also be like, why didn't, I mean, Wisconsin took three transfer quarterbacks and Ben Bryant wasn't one of them. Yeah. What does Luke Fickle know? No, I mean, the counterpoint would be, well, he wasn't in the portal. Well, I can assure you Luke Fickle could have made some calls to say, Hey, follow me to Wisconsin. And clearly that didn't happen. So what does he know that he decided to take three other quarterbacks there? I ain't telling. And like, again, I like AJ Henning. I like Ben Bryant but there's also going to be nine other players for Northwestern that have to go. So, yeah, I've never made that connection. That's super interesting. Thanks for bringing that to my attention. I don't know why I never made that connection. Why didn't he follow him? That's interesting. Again, the the Northwestern Homer and you would say, well, he wasn't in the portal. Well, I would tell you as someone who covers recruiting, the amount of tampering that goes on, like, (laughs) so it's going to be, you know, if he wanted him at Wisconsin, he would have been at Wisconsin. So if yeah. Luke Fickle didn't want him in the Big Ten, what are we What are we thinking for Northwestern? Right. That, that would just be my counter argument here. All right. All right. Well, his name is Ryan Burns. He's at Ryan Burns MN on Twitter. Go follow uh, Gopher Gridiron Radio. Go read his stuff at Gopher Illustrated. Ryan, this was a blast. Thank you so much for uh, sharing your knowledge about uh, Gopher football this season with me today. I appreciate you having me on, man. All right, we'll talk to you soon. Once again, that was Ryan Burns. He's on Twitter, at RyanBurnsMN. Awesome time talking to Ryan, breaking down what's going to happen this season for the Golden Gophers. On tomorrow's show, I'm joined by Matt. His last name is Sheehan. He's the host of Locked On Spartans. I was on his show a couple weeks ago. Now he's on mine. Tomorrow. Check it out. We actually recorded mine first, but he put his out first. Podcasting is crazy like that. Anyways, we're talking Michigan State football tomorrow. Come back. We'll see you guys in the future. 